0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the uh, Inland Valley Art and Literature Show. Uh, My name is John Branningham. I'm a poet in in Ontario, California.
1: Hey, I excuse me. I'm Tim Hatch. I'm 51 and I'm going through puberty. And uh, I am also a writer and an educator in the
0: the Inland Empire. I I, I am going to wait for your voice to crack at some time during the show, Tim. Thanks.
2: (laughs) It's going to happen. I'm cracking up. Um, I'm Ken Johnson, and I'm a, a painter and a writer and a a former a lot of things. Um, and uh, I'm interested in this conversation today because I'm an artist.
0: Yeah, and, and our conversation today is about the Inland Empire, and, and Ken's on a unique uh, place to talk about this, because we're, we're saying, what is the we're trying to answer the question and we're not going to come to any definitive conclusions, obviously, but we're trying to come to the answer of what is the artistic voice of the Inland Empire? Maybe maybe that's the right way of saying it. Maybe there's a better way of saying it. What do you think, Ken? Is there a better way of saying it?
2: No, I think it's a, a good question and it just leads right into an opening, which is about uh, if there could be said to be a voice a, a distinct voice of the inland empire, what we'd have to do is, is, uh, ask if, if that identity has changed over time. And, mm. and, you know, there, there were some really important artists, um, in the area, like in the fifties, for instance, and, uh, their voice has changed and the current voices are distinctly different from that. And so, uh, yeah, it's got a very different a flavor and a different, um, a different zeitgeist going on. Well, I think you're talking about people like
0: Carl Benjamin and others like him. Mm-hmm. And, um, the thing about them is they taught, right. And I think a lot of their, their the acolytes are still here, and uh, so that the, it's like it's not the same thing, but their influence remains.
2: Yeah, um, I would I would modify that a little bit in that it seemed that the mid century in art was a time that reflected the fact that the nation was was starting to breathe again after two decades of privation and trauma. And then, then suddenly the artists, many of whom funded by the government in the, on their GI bills, um, they had a lot to say. They, they were in, and we were talking a little bit earlier about um, Emotions in writing and, and I'd like to extend that to art and writing, whether, whether those expressive arts can facilitate personal um, growth and recovery. And um, I think it happened in the 50s and 60s in the arts community in, in Pomona Valley. And um, that's, that's a little different now. It's, it's not like we're not going through a time of trauma. It's not like we're going through a time of desperation. We are for different reasons. And so I think the arts community will be catching up with the rest of us socially in that way as they do their processing, as they become voices for... A larger group of people than just themselves, we you as writer, you as a writer, John, you as a writer, with your last book um, on the process of parenting during tumultuous times, excuse me, the tumultuous process of parenting during all times. Um, have you know you really squarely hit nails on heads in that and and you became the voice for parents you know i'm i'm an old dude i'm not trying to parent during this time but i can see the time and i can remember the parenting and i can feel that kind of of shifting sand and tumult that, that goes on and the responsibility of trying to play a leadership role in, your, in the development of a young person, it, it's really overwhelming. And you were able to speak to that in ways that I could recognize. Yeah. And so that's what I'm kind of saying. it's There is a voice in the arts in the Pomona area. It's a plurality of voices. And some of those voices are less inculcated into the world of the fine arts with its attendant language and conceptual structure structure, and more into visceral explosion. And some of them are more schooled, more finely schooled. And they they follow more clearly set rules. so it's diverse, but it speaks to this time, not to, not to the, the times that, that the voice of the Pomona Valley Arts originally formed. I'm not mm-hmm. saying good or bad, it, it's just different.
0: Yeah, and uh, part, part of that is, is the beginning of, I don't know, starting to see this as a, as a unified area uh, like when, when do we start calling this the Inland Empire, or Pomona Valley, or something like that? And does that is is that part of what gives gives a vision, a, a voice?
2: Yeah, that's that's a hard question because what's really interesting is that there is no Inland Empire. There is no Pomona Valley. Those mm-hmm. are sections on maps drawn by real estate people mm-hmm. who are trying to market. Is the the whole inland Empire concept didn't happen until the late 70s early 80s when when Ontario International Airport came in and and all of the money people were all excited about how many dollars were to be made by the influx of business and and cash coming into them and and so they they needed a good. Title. so they called it Inland Empire. Up until then, it was Fontana in and, and Pomona and, and Walnut, and these are all distinct places. And uh, this concept of a unified region, you know, it breaks down when you start walking the streets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there, there, there's a danger to it. There's also a benefit to doing that as well. And Absolutely, the benefit. At least one that I saw is when, when I was twenty. I I felt I had to leave the Inland Empire if I wanted to get an education in the arts uh, mm-hmm. because there wasn't anything sort of central. Wouldn't see ourselves, and now it's different. You know, we've we've got all these programs. So you could you could legitimately stay here and go to any any number of the the Cal States or mm-hmm. the the UCs or you know there, there's programs. And I, I think that 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 in part is we have said, here's a region, let's attract the best that we can possibly get here to help us to identify who we are. I'm just curious,
1: where were you uh, in your 20s when you, when you felt that?
0: Uh, I, did, I grew up in West Covina. West Covina. See, yeah.
1: that's, so that's, as someone who grew up in Upland, um, I would consider West Covina a greater LA. I wouldn't consider it the Inland Empire at all. I wouldn't consider anything. Uh, I would not even. I would barely consider Claremont the Inland Empire.
0: Yeah, I didn't think of, I, it wasn't the Inland Empire. We thought of it as the San Gabriel Valley, but it still had that kind of yeah. Where the yeah, it's
1: it's not L.A. and it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. For I get it. Yeah.
0: Um, and there certainly was nothing going on in West Covina.
1: No, no, I remember West Covina well enough to, I'll, I'll, I'll corroborate that. But I mean, there wasn't anything going on in Glendora or uh, Upland. Honestly, really, there's a lot going on, I guess, uh, in with the indie music scene in Claremont, but uh, mm. only, I don't know what, a dozen people really knew about it or were paying attention.
2: A lot more than that. It was amazing how big that was. And the Claremont heritage is... Is doing some urban archaeology um, on that, uncovering the the webs of connections between people. Mike Stewart, for instance, um, the producer, um, came from your town mm. in, in Upland mm. and uh, attracted a bunch of folks, and that you know, Joan Baez floated through, and and it attended the Claremont schools and her sister Mimi. Um, So we have all these connections. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my friends in high school went on to, to uh, form we five. Um, So we have this, this uh, kind of big music scene that started in the fifties the, the, uh, Owner of the folk music festival, excuse me, folk music center in Claremont, mm-hmm. um, Ellen Chase. Ellen just came came out with a book tracing um, the that era of development where the folk music center was at the heart of Claremont's music scene development. Um, that's more of a folk music, popular music basis. The 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 uh, classical music and stuff was mostly in the the colleges during that, that era. Did that inspire the, um,
0: the the punk rock that was going on through.
2: You know, I think that punk rock in Claremont, as I understand, and I I taught at the continuation high school through those years, mm-hmm. and. I knew some of the people who were involved in that on the local level, and there weren't any really big people. But then I'm not an expert in that that whole um, movement. Um, that was something that came more down from L.A. and Frisco, uh-huh. you know, and and that kind of um, that shifted the center when we were talking folk music. There were a few centers in the United States. Claremont was definitely one of them. When you're talking punk rock, if you're talking um, that kind of scene in the 80s, late 70s, 80s and early 90s, maybe that was more of a, there's other areas like LA, you know, Hollywood and um, those areas were more important. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, definitely um more central but i know that like mark mark um givens given thank you mm-hmm. was was a big part of it yes yeah. i missed the whole scene i missed all of the good music scenes because i was too far gone to heavy metal at the time which is kind of a tragedy
1: <laughs> that's but, uh, <laughs> yeah um that's sad that's a, <laughs> there, there was a lot going on and uh, god there was so much going on at the Claremont Colleges and all through downtown Pomona, Munchies Cafe The Haven, all these places um, even places there was a place near Cal Poly on like Temple and oh god whatever Holt turns into Valley mm-hmm. um, called the Cup of J which was just a corporate strip mall and the Cup of J was a, a you know Starbucks before there was a Starbucks, in in, in California anyway. Uh, Just a kind of a crappy little corporate looking art house, but it was a cool little place. And there were so many local music shows uh, there and all over the place. And yeah, Mark with his band Wicker Spigot, also Congress, um, uh, Desperation Squad, uh, John Darnell with uh, the very early, Stages of the Mountain Goats, which is a band that now plays semi regularly on the Colbert show, or whatever, the late show with Stephen Colbert. Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot going on in the area that, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, really kind of never left the area. Few people did, but it was very active musically. I don't know about, uh, a lot of the other art. Mark Gibbons, though, uh, around that same time, early 90s, 93, 94, uh-huh. was putting out a zine, uh, self publishing a zine called Salmon Bosch, which was based on a dream that I believe his good friend Kim had. Um, she called him up and said, I had a dream, and you were making a zine called Salmon Bosch, and it had important things in it. And so the next day, he got to work with making that happen. And uh, uh one of the first things i uh one of the best stories i read in salmon bosch was one of the earliest published works by an author by the name of gail brandeis oh wow yeah yeah and i was publishing just utter dog shit in it and uh, i I would be embarrassed to uh, ever call anyone's attention to what i was writing at the time but um but yeah i mean there was some good stuff happening there too Well, yeah, that's really interesting.
0: Um,
1: I don't know what that says about the identity, (laughs) but there was a lot going on in Claremont, but areas around it seemed kind of like cultural wastelands. Uh, It's interesting. I don't know what it is about Claremont that makes it such a thriving scene versus literally next door in Upland, which is where art goes to die. Or uh, that might be unfair to upland. there's a lot of cool things that have happened in upland over the years. um I'm just from there, so I like to talk shit yeah,' and the same with you in West Covina though like what what yeah what's the distinction between Claremont versus those
0: areas uh West Covina you know I uh, the reason we moved from West Covina we moved from a very like this is here kind of place like Claremont with the, mm-hmm. You know, it's a, just outside of Pittsburgh. And we moved to, to, to West Covina, and I think a lot of people do, because it was adjacent to a number of things that we liked. There was anything there we liked, but there was a Catholic church. It was halfway between a Catholic church and a Quaker meeting. And it was uh, 20 minutes from my father's work and uh, 20 minutes from the high school that they wanted me to go to. Um, and so the West Covina was just kind of a convenient landing spot. And there's there's not, there, there are a couple of, of centers to West Covina. There's um, there's the, the whatever the mall's called now. It used to be called the Fashion Plaza. And, uh, but that's not really a center. That's just a shopping mall, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Claremont has established roots. Uh, I I never really got to know Claremont until I was about 40. And I moved in there for the first time because I, I bounce around so much in my my, where I live. And the thing that struck me about Claremont is... At the time, it felt almost cult-like. Like, we are, we are Claremont. We, the, the difference being that they weren't trying to keep anybody out. You know, they're, they're just nice people. Right. They've been there for a long time.
1: I definitely got that impression when I started hanging out there in the late 80s. Uh-huh. Like, like there was, I, I, I don't want to say like an inner circle, but I definitely felt like there was a self-awareness about Claremont. Claremont
0: yeah. On the part the- of the Claremonsters who lived there. Yeah, and, and in the same way that that a lot of small towns have, like we, we've we just been hanging around all our lives and we all know each other mm-hmm. and that makes us friends and we we all kind of like each other too. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with that, but just coming from a place like West Covina <coughs> into this thing and I've got an itinerant lifestyle anyway. It's like, oh, wow, you guys all know and like each other for a long time. And, you know, it's kind of sad that I, I, I thought of that as being cult-like Here's some long-term, lifelong friendships. Oh my God, you're part of a cult, you know? <laughs> I kind of well, feel
2: like I have to rise to Claremont's defense in this case. Um, I've, I've been here for a bit, for about four generations. And I do know this, Claremont was originally founded because the colleges were founded and Pomona mm-hmm. College was the first college. And it was meant to be just that. It wasn't Claremont College, it was Pomona College. Um, it was on the outskirts of Pomona, which is now called Claremont, and Pomona College. It was established first, and then some businesses supporting it, and then um, some agricultural developments grew around that. Once the the train was established, and 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 fruit could be marketed from um, Claremont um, and pulled out of the packing house and shipped off to the east coast and so it became part of that that development of the area which included Pomona at the time and the whole place changed configuration but the colleges were already established and they slowly grew one college grew to another they had an overall plan to be kind of like a set of colleges making up Oxford University Um, that was the plan the colleges have always grown faster than the agriculture or the the businesses around it they've always been the hub of the community and because they were so interested intrinsically involved and intricately involved with the development of the community. College people took roles as mayors and in and, and city council and, and stuff like that. It was a college because they were the people who lived there, they were it. And so they gradually the, the, the town grew as a an ex- connection and, and uh, extension of the colleges, and so that's why that's what's different between Claremont and Upland. And I'm a, I'm I'm an okay resident of Upland at this point. So you know I sense it the difference a little bit. But um, <clears throat> I grew up in Claremont, and I and I saw how how the colleges gave rise to the need for a church. And so first there was a. a a Claremont church and it became united. It became a congregational church and it spawned a retirement community, Pilgrim Place. Yeah. And other retirement communities grew in Claremont as the place got bigger. More churches arrived as the place got bigger. But it had to do with the core um, faculty members of the colleges that that helped grow the town. And then the other thing is that, that as, as there were as there was an art program and a music program, some of the people who graduated from the programs did not go off to teach in other places. They stayed in Claremont to teach either at some of the other colleges as they grew or to teach in the school district or to start independent practices in the community. That's why the arts has always been a a vital part in Claremont and played a vital role in the development of the arts in this whole area and ultimately nationally.
0: Could could we say this then that um, that which is uh a voice in the inland empire comes from or is in reaction to the art that that built up in in claremont
1: well i mean you've also got the whole art scene out in san bernardino and redlands area um yeah. which themselves are college towns um <laughs> though i don't ever think of san Bernardino as a college town but it is um uh
2: I don't know. New think was was more of a college town than than uh, San Bernardino, and it was sort of it it was the college, and gradually other colleges grew around Riverside, kind of the same way. I think I think John to say put it the way you did is to get a hold of one of the factors of the development of the current day um, Inland Empire art, art scene, but only one, uh-huh. because the bigger, you know, the, the, when you move from say the 40s on, um, you get more of a decentralized growth of towns in this area and colleges in this area, and arts in this area. So it, the 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 line probably was strong. That the the causal line was probably strongest in the early early days, from 1900 to to 1950, say, just as an arbitrary uh, chopping block. Uh, that was a strong line radiating out into inland empire communities from Claremont. And then um, once you hit the growth of the aerospace industry for the most part, um, that's when you had rapid growth of these these little little towns like West Cabina.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and so they got their own colleges, their own art communities and stuff. So the, the line of connection and causal influence gets thinner the, line, the, the the farther you get from 1950.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and you, you also have people like Leonard Cohen who just decides he wants to live in Mount Baldy.
2: Yeah, and, he uh, wasn't a Claremont guy.
0: No, he, he was a Baldy guy.
2: Yeah, well the hell with him.
0: <laughs> and, you, and you say it's not a cult.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There there are some cone heads who would take issue with me, I understand. <laughs> okay. Well, this is great.
0: I think we, we, we started maybe a conversation that, that's gonna go uh for several more theories. What what is the voice of the of inland empire art or
2: or at least generate some nasty letters?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, if if we can get people to write letters, I'm I'm very happy. Rather than shooting off a tweet, tweet, or tweet, or whatever.
1: I mean, there's a whole <clears throat> there's a whole spectrum of uh, things we could be talking about in regard to the uh, like the Inland Empire's artistic identity. Uh, just looking at different mediums of art, the Inland Empire, uh, the San Bernardino and Riverside County literary scene is very different from what's going on uh, in LA, for example, or Long Beach. Also, it's very different from the, uh, like the hip hop scene, which is going on in the same exact area. You know, that's, yeah. there's a, there, although maybe there are definitely, uh, there's a lot of common ground between them as well. So yeah, there's there's a lot to look at there.
0: Yeah,
1: It, there, it really is, the San Bernardino and Riverside counties, uh, there's so much going on. Uh, <laughs> in the independent art scene, whether it's music or uh, literature or whatever. Um, I think it's a subject for, I definitely think it's a subject for repeat visits. I yeah. okay. should probably invite some people who have some actual expertise in talking about some of that too. I know a couple of people some, who could yeah. talk about-
0: that, that, that would end the streak of us just kind of shooting <laughs> our mouths off.
1: Oh, <laughs> fuck, I don't know what I was thinking of. <laughs> You know what? Let me tell you how it is.
0: <laughs> I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah. No, I, we'll, let's bring some of these people in. Yeah. Uh, so Okay. Well, great. Um, that, that, that's a pretty good half hour. So uh, why don't we call it call a day and we'll come back uh, next time and we talk about some other aspect of this. Sounds I'll see you later. Thanks.